honorable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. Some of you guys may know him as the kid or the legend or the god. The god. It's Jay King. The hero. <laughs> yeah, you, you keep on trying to make the hero happen. And as a guy who's tried to make a lot of nicknames happen, you just got to know when you – yeah, it's a losing battle. I've made the kid, the god, and the legend happen. <laughs> Somewhere as a society, we need to draw a line of what we're willing to let you do. That's fair. <laughs> how's the shaved head, how's shaved head going? Yeah, I'm about to cut it again today after this. Really? Oh. Yeah, I'm going to keep it tight for a little while, you know, maybe maybe at least for the summer, see how it goes. It's, it's tough to get haircuts out there these days. So. I mean, might as well get your money's worth. That yeah. other that other voice you hear is Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston. So some of you guys may know him as the captain of Team Transcribe. Um, <laughs> I don't want that to be my legacy. There's got to be there's got to be something better that I do than tell people what part of Jason Tatum to transcribe. I mean, you also That's keep a, pretty- a Excel spreadsheet of uh, many different variables throughout the games. You're one of the big, better Celtics uh, off court statisticians. Um, I don't know. Jay invented his own nickname in his own intro. Right, like, yeah. Here's your chance to. Uh, how do you want me to describe you? Uh, I wish I wish I had a cool nickname. So like uh, when I was at the Boston Globe, it was the last like six letters of your of your last name or the first six letters of your last name. So you'll sometimes hear Chris Gasper call me Forsby, which I'm, I'm I'm not like a huge fan of, but whatever that <laughs> that caught on. Uh, and as a kid, I was Fozzie. So I, I sometimes uh, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, Fozzie. has a band wow. called Fozzie. And so I have a bunch of Fozzie T-shirts that I typically wear on podcasts. So I've dropped the ball today. I never knew Fozzie was a thing. Fozzie the yeah. band or Fozzie Bear? Like Fozzie Bear. Oh, yeah. He's a good bear. I, like, I um, mean, it's just, it's just Forsberg Fozzie. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, listen, I didn't make it up. You don't make up your nicknames. Well, except Jake. No, James. sometimes you do. Sometimes <laughs> you do. <laughs> so we've brought Chris here because the Celtics have left. They've departed. There's many uh, sad photos of uh, kissing families. Uh, Deuce is uh, just devastated to see his father can we, can, we, can we get right into that? Yeah, go for it. Okay. We can go right into that. I, so, I, like, because this makes me, this has got me more riled up about anything than, than than a lot of Celtic stuff. But I've had a lot of people come at me because I said, you know, it breaks my heart to see something like that happen where, you know, Deuce looks genuinely heartbroken as he has to say goodbye to his dad for as much as three months. We see the, 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 the note that Robin Hayward posted. And I got people coming at me and they're like, you know, overplayed millionaires. They can be away from their family for three months. And I just don't agree with the notion. Like, I think there, <laughs> I, I understand there is far more uh, selfless professions out there. The people in the military who leave their families for nine months at a time, go overseas and do what they do. That is the most selfless act of all. But don't tell me that NBA players signed up to be away from their family. And now do a good deal. Are a good deal of them like, yes, I'm out of here. I've been and, in quarantine. But why, why isn't it okay to be like, you know what? It sucks when parents have to leave their kids no matter what, even if they did yes. sign up for it. But, but it, there should be no qualifiers. Like, if Jason Tatum is not enthused about the bubble because he can't see his kid, his two-and-a-half-year-old son, who is going to grow and change throughout these three months, I'm on board with it. And I hate – I can't stand when a non-parent slides into my mentions and is like – Ooh, oh. non-parents. It's, an, it's no big deal. Like, come on. If I had Dismiss to go into this the bubble – non-parents. It's – 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to vent. I don't, I, it, it gets me worked up. Don't tell me that Zoom and FaceTime or whatever hack stream yard you guys are using is a viable <laughs> substitution for engaging your child on a daily basis. It's like if Jason Tatum he wants to be despondent about this, I get it. I understand it. God damn. I don't get the motivation for people being like other people have it harder or they get paid a lot. Like it just shows you like the totality of the internet. Someone's always going to be an asshole. And like, there's just like no reason to be like someone's having a hard time. And then someone's else. Well, they shouldn't be having a hard Empathy. time. Like, Empathy. Like just understand what another person is sort of going through. I didn't just know we were going to get fours were all riled up. I, Sorry. Sorry. I also, that's how Fozzie, I this is, this is not Forsberg. This is Fozzie. <laughs> this is Fozzie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, My alter ego. I, I, I wonder why people can't just have two, like it can be at the same time. One NBA players had a choice. They chose to go to the bubble. They want to be there for whatever reason, whether it's because they want to chase a championship because they want their money for whatever other reason they want to be there. And two, they can, it can still suck that guys have to go and miss their kids and miss their wives and miss their side so nuance, and man. whoever else for a month <laughs> and a half plus. There can be a number of layers going on at the same time. And Twitter, Twitter loses that a lot. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't get myself worked up about Twitter eggs, but man, that one, that one got me. And like, yeah, Twitter's Twitter, like, awful they, they medium. come hard when you say something like that. And, and here's the other thing is like, again, you know, it, it just feels like I keep hearing people say, oh, because they make so much money. Like that should justify, you know, being able to be away from, from a child or something like that. I just don't think that's fair. Like NBA players are the first ones to come out and admit they're overpaid. Jason Tatum said as much during his Zoom call this week, right? Like that, um, he, that he was worried about not going down there and, and being perceived to want to sit out because he was worried about his future earnings when there's so much unemployment right now. I think they get it, but they can also be mad about being away from their child. That's all. That's all. That's all I got. That's all I got. What else? You, that's what fair. Right off the top. (laughs) Let's talk about that Zoom call, other Zoom calls. It's like it's been an interesting thing. You guys are both like professional reporters and came back and met with all these players. And it kind of felt like um, media day where they go down to that weird studio and like, where is that? Norwood? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. and they just kind of take the players out on the table. Like every player gets a chance to like uh, go in front of the media because that's not normally something that happens. And so. Uh, me and Jay were just talking about like what the biggest takeaways are uh, from those Zoom sessions. I thought the Tatum one was particularly interesting. One of the because uh, um, just how uh, thoughtful he was and kind of how how much of a bigger role he took on with the uh, NBA Players Association mm-hmm. and the planning of it. I think we think of like Jalen Brown as the the thinker, the guy who's going to be. Uh, future president is like the classic uh, cliche thing, but like you just don't think of Tatum as being like that much um, uh, as engaged, but it seems like from these zoom calls and what Tatum said about like talking to Chris Paul, that um, he's kind of like coming on, coming into his own as like a, a, I guess a star and you know, like letting his voice be heard. And I just thought it was interesting because I think of Tatum as like, he's only 19. He's kind of a shy kid, but it seems like he's like, once he was named an all-star, everything changed on the court, but it feels like it had ramifications for off the court too. Okay, uh, and so we're going to play this a true or false game. True or false, Ooh. Tatum has evolved and become a whatever, like a, a force, a force off the court. What, what are we doing here? We're sc- sharing screens now, and I'm like, I, I can't even like focus on the question. Just, 
<laughs> well, just uh, we're just going to theathletic.com where you could find an article describing this exact thing, and oh. you, uh, you can see. Oh, the, oh, so, oh, I see what you're doing. You're doing. You are doing the ultimate TV producer move, throwing yeah, up the graphic here. You guys just listen to the podcast. We are talking about <laughs> behind the scenes. What we're looking at on the screen right now, we are sorry for this is all prep. This is all prep, baby, because when the games come back, this is what the, this is what the experience is going to be. You're going to get Jam live producing uh, Jam's junk drawer. So like this, this, this is the reps in. This is great. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have your own little NBA desktop coming. I can't wait to see it. Um, That's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> uh, I will say it is true. I actually like, but in general, I will say I think and Jay will 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 uh, corroborate this like. All these guys were especially chatty on these Zoom calls. Zoom calls just turns everyone into David Lee, who used to talk. We have, we have, it, we, at first, we were like, wow, we only asked Brad six questions. And he was really verbose on some of them. Like, I thought it was telling that Brad, on his second answer, when he was just asked if, like, everyone was healthy and if everyone was going to Orlando, was like, defense will be super important. And I'm like, where did this come from? But, like, in general, guys were just super chatty and – um, really opened up from a Tatum perspective, you know, I, I agree. I think the first question he got asked was about black lives matter and social justice. And I thought he was very, he handled that. Well, he went right into the whole idea of, of, of being away from his family and was especially eloquent on that. Those are tougher questions for a, a guy who in a lot of times after these scrums is like, it was cool. You know, like I, I had a dunk, you know, and I thought he was very, very eloquent. I do think that shows a little bit of a maturation. Um, and I think he gets it too, right? Like if you're going to be the face of the franchise, if you're going to be one of the faces of the NBA with all the ability that he has, he has to start being able to have opinions, to voice those opinions. And look, he doesn't have to be the most interesting, but I do think it's telling that he can sort of step into that and get questions that, Maybe he would have shied away from three months ago and be eloquent and answer them well. And, and like, look, it, that comes with the territory, right? Like LeBron gets asked about everything. You know, Kyrie, well, we know how that went. Like you can ask him about anything. What you get, who knows? <laughs> He'll talk can, about anything. But if you can, if you can, if you can give at least a thoughtful answer, it'll, it, it certainly helps your status in the league. And you can ask Chris Paul about anything. So I think, it, I think that is a clear sign that, that Jason Tatum is evolving. I am not ready to buy this yet just because I have never seen a press conference where Tatum went out of his way to give a real message. That was like the first time I've seen him say anything in a press conference. He normally just is the dullest, most boring (laughs) interview. And he's not the dullest, most boring person. It's just when you put a lot of mics in front of him, he tends to try not to say anything. And so how so, much of the fact that it was on Zoom, like, helped? Because I agree, he seems, like, pretty shy in person, but, like, I don't know. It's much easier for me to say all the nonsense I say, like, think when I'm, like, behind a podcast mic rather than, like, being in person. There seems to be, like, do you think he was just more comfortable? Like, in scrums, he's not very, like, talkative, but then you see him joking around and, like, you know he's, like, a thoughtful and, like, like reflective person. It just doesn't allow that to happen in scrums. Maybe on the Zoom call, he's just – better able to kind of express his ideas i have no idea whether he was more comfortable <laughs> on zoom but i gave a take bro this is true or false game like <laughs> i will say i look forward to seeing how tatum evolves as he grows into his real star stature mm-hmm. i think from a young age like he was groomed to be an nba star his mom years and years ago was reaching out to people like chris paul people like jason terry 
asking those guys what it's going to be like for Jason when he gets to the NBA, what the business side is going to be like, what it's going to be like, what questions are they going to ask him in press conferences? He, he's been groomed for all of this. So for a guy his age, he knows the business a lot better than people. And finally, in, the, in that Zoom call, he started showing that a little bit. And so I, I want to see as he grows into his, his stardom and his new stature, how he becomes more comfortable showing the fun side of himself. And there is a fun side of Jason Tatum. Like he, he's got a really good personality. He just doesn't show it a lot. It's much like his performance on the court where that two month show, is that what we're going to get from now on? He was with breaking one- mid-range jumpers for the first <laughs> yeah. three years of his press conference <laughs> career. <laughs> uh, but I, it, I am fascinated to know, like, I want to see what happens from here. Like are these zoom calls all of a sudden just going to, unleash these players and make them more chatty. I don't know, man, if, if that happens, I'm going to give even more Zoom I think stuff. Jason Tatum is shy in person, and I think the Zoom call allows him to be uh, more reflective and thoughtful on this. And now he's arrived as an all-star. It clearly has boosted his confidence. There's no reason to believe that he's not, not going to continue. I just thought it's interesting, like, why out of him, out of all players, um, like, he got to talk about planning for uh, practice court access to barbershops. Like, why is – like that, it's a very weird thing about the NBA. About, but it was like, okay, I guess Jason Tatum's a thought leader on recreation in the Orlando bubble, and so I, I think it just as he does more of these things, the more confidence he'll gain, and hopefully, it'll like translate. Have you seen that hairline, bro? Like, of course they're coming at him for barbers. His hair is ridiculous. That whatever that weird like middle haircut was absurd. I don't know what his current. I don't. I wasn't at the Zoom call. What was his hair like? He, he got a new cut it, a couple it, of days it, ago, maybe three days ago. It looks it looks glorious. All right. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> True or false? Jason Tatum has a fantastic hairline. I mean, he has a fantastic hairline. Now, now he's growing it out. It's getting like the uh, poor Cantor was calling him Trey Young. So I don't know. If that, I don't know if that's a compliment, but uh, that, he's that is to- not a compliment. <laughs> Trey Young looks like a lollipop that fell on the movie theater floor. Um, all right. Well, what were some other takeaways from the Zoom calls? Obviously, Tatum's was uh, interesting, but I think Jay mentioned um, and he wrote an article about it. Was and it was the like one of the earlier Zoom calls was just talking about Kemba. Uh, and how much he needed the break because mm. his knee was not great. And so uh, I thought it was just an interesting uh, kind of angle in terms of he was not feeling well. And this is the first time he had a knee injury or a real like, substantial injury in his career. So maybe the Celtics benefit from Kemba just coming back and being able to not like mess with his knee for four months. True or false, Kemba oh, I absolutely needed the hiatus. <laughs> What I love is that you guys are like so in sync where Packer can ramp it up and then Jay's just like, here's the true or false. Um, <laughs> what, it, it, I think true, like I think we know he was a shell of himself before the break. Uh, what I thought was telling was that he was that he said he was like mad about the way he played or you know disappointed. I forget the, the exact verb as you use, but um, you know he, he was disappointed that he didn't play to his capabilities. And I think we forget because Tatum was so good, we sort of lost track of how much Kemba came back to earth. And those first two and a half months, three months, or 46 games, whatever it was, where he was shooting close to 40% from three-point land and was jacking a ton of threes per game. You know, he was really, really good. And what played for, was, was a clear-cut all-star. I think we forget, like, Kemba was the slam dunk all-star. And we were talking in January. It's like, is Tatum the all-star? Is Jalen Brown the all-star? That question answered itself by the end of the month and into February. But, um, 
look, they need a good Kemba to, to have any chance to be successful. I don't think, I don't know necessarily, you know, who's got to be the one, who's got to be the one A, like if Tatum can be the best player and that whole idea of if he's ready to be the best player on a, on a championship caliber team. Uh, but they certainly need Kemba to be at a high level. And so uh, I was a little worried that in the break where you don't really get treatment, where you're just sort of off your knee, that he might still experience some issues ramping up. So it's still something I think we have to watch. And it's not something where I'm like, they're out of the woods, but it's undeniable that to get that much time to sort of heal up, um, you know, let's remember he was getting like synthetic injections in that knee and, and, and dealing with what, what I think that's usually for arthritis. So it's just something to watch. And, we, and you know, we know what, what, what it's like to have a, a point guard with knee issues around here. So, yeah, I think I, I buy that his, this break was essential for him. He was so bad before the break, and you could tell he just wasn't himself. He blew the game against the Nets. He blew the game against the Thunder in pretty similar plays, and he was mad at himself, obviously. And I think it's very telling that when we would would talk to him back in March before the shutdown, he would say, oh, yeah, my knee is fine. And then a few months later, he's like, guys, I really fucking needed that. And so I, I think I think that was really telling. I think this set up Kemba to have a healthy playoff run. If you remember, he was on Team USA. He he had a long run in the international play right before training camp. Then went to Boston. He left Charlotte. Like he had boom, 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 and he's been playing. He had been playing basketball for a long, long time. He played a lot of minutes in Charlotte. Had a huge, heavy load there, and then he came to Boston and had to do it all in Boston. So. I think he needed this, especially the fact that he's going to be playing basketball or he hopes to be playing basketball a lot deeper in the postseason than he ever has. This this run will will test his body in ways that he's never had to go through. And having a little rest, having that time to recuperate, I think will be very big for him. I just want to point out that I'm, I'm shocked that Jay thought it was uh, true that he needed the rest when the headline of the article was, if there's a silver lining to the NBA hiatus, Kemba Walker found it. It was the I, central I don't write the thesis. It was the central thesis to your piece, but I think it's it was clearly interesting. And um, what you noted in the article was about how much uh, Kemba struggled to finish at the rim. Um, and I think in the playoffs, I don't think we're going to be able to see Jason Tatum at the same level he was like superstar mode. But just having Tatum and Kemba on the court at the same time where both of them could potentially go off just makes it that much harder um, to guard on defense. And so I think they're going to need like, they can't expect Tatum to be as much of a superstar um, and carry the team as much that they're going to need like to kind of like take off nights or kind of go with whatever the, uh, the defense is giving them, but they're going to need both of them be like capable of doing 30. The thing about Kemba is his casual 30 game, 30 point games kind of drifted towards the end of his run. I feel like in the start of this season, he would score 30 points a bunch and it would become a lot from free throws uh, and he would go to the line like 10 times and he was like, oh, Kemba had 30 tonight, but he never was like showed out uh, towards the end of the se- um, the season. I mean, the season's still going, but it felt like he was scoring less, getting to the line less and just not making uh, as much of his layups. And so he's definitely go- like he's definitely going to need to be there just so teams can't just like throw two people at Jason Tatum all the time. Um, he's like the Celtics entire success is 
being able to like craft a team that is better than just having like Giannis or LeBron. Like they're going to have to have multiple guys step up in like every single night. And so I think it's interesting. Or it's not interesting. They basically need Kemba to be one of those guys who could, you know, just go for 40 any game in the playoffs. True, true or false that the Celtics have the best starting five in the NBA, as Paul Pierce said. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a really good starting five. And, yeah. and their sixth is really good too. Yeah, and then there's a drop off. Maybe, maybe if Pierce had phrased it that way, if he'd said the the Boston Celtics top six is as good as anyone in the NBA, maybe people would have bought it. Still Mark. wouldn't have bought it. But who has a better <laughs> starting five? Who who's who's clearly better than them? The Bucks Clippers? starting five has been ridiculous. Uh, Clippers, Clippers, uh, I think have a more Lakers, five. Lakers. Yeah, I mean Bucks, Bucks when Middleton's playing against the Celtics. You could even put That's the <laughs> the Rockets. Could, could you put yeah. the Rockets up there? I think so. The Rockets' think so. new starting five where they just – like one. it's only five of them. That's not the disparage, right, t- the disparage what the Celtics have. It's just, you know, there's really good starting fives in the NBA and just Paul Pierce is forever a Celtic. I will say that their like fourth, fifth, and sixth options are better than most teams. Like Gordon Hayward being a fourth option yeah. is really, really rare like, to have a player that – that type of player with the fourth highest usage rate in your starting lineup. And then the Clippers, they're like the only team I think that has that type of firepower, that type of depth among top end firepower. The thing that's crazy is like the Celtics have uh, just the way I think about it is like Kemba and Tatum, I don't think could individually lead their teams to a, a championship, but they're both kind of like one a stars. And then the next players on the Celtics are both like uh, Jalen. I think Hayward, are the second best players on a championship team. So they have this like one, a two, and then they have Marcus smart, Mr. Impacts winning like agent of chaos. They have an opportunity just to overwhelm teams with just like that top six talent. And you throw in Danny two blocks. I mean, anyone worth their weight in gold would rate him more than a B plus. I miss your nicknames, Packard. I had <laughs> forgotten about Danny two blocks. <laughs> All right. Another takeaway from the Zoom calls was Gordon Hayward still's got a lot of pain in his foot. It just hasn't gone away. <laughs> yeah. True, true or false? That's a major issue. True. Uh, How much I mean, does that like yeah. affect him getting extended? Like that shouldn't be a. He's been pretty good. He's going to get you like fifteen five and five, but he's. I just don't know if he's going to be. He's never going to be a dominant player. Like, I don't think there's going to be a game in the playoffs where Hayward is like, he's the guy who goes off for 35. He's just going to be very solid Brad, like, role player, which is good. It's just concerning he still has playing in his foot. Here's why it's concerning. It's that, as you said, Kemba had knee issues before the break, and he was like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, typically players go out of their way to mask the ailments they're going through. And this is the second time that Hayward's just been like, hey, guys, just want to throw it out here. My foot, it's a mess. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> I'm still in a lot of pain. And we're all sort of like, what? <laughs> you know, uh, I hope that it's just him being open and honest, which was what we crave from all of our athletes. And yet uh, the fact that it does have lingering pain. Th- that being said, I don't know what it affects, right? Like it didn't affect his play, presumably towards the end of, 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 the, uh, of the, the, the pause. Uh, and like if, if it doesn't really affect him coming into the playoffs, then it's not going to affect his future earnings. He's going to opt into that deal. And then the Celtics have to figure out what happens from there. Uh, and if they can find a number that makes sense to bring him back with this luxury cap and salary cap not going up. And um, But 
I, I don't know. Like, it, it, I, I like that he's sort of honest, that it, 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 it's still there. But, you know, how much is mental? How much is physical? It's, it's been four months since the Celtics played a game. <laughs> it's been four months of Gordon Hayward, like, riding the Peloton and doing stuff that should theoretically be good for his joints and leave him in good shape without the pound and all of that of a regular NBA season. I think this is concerning, not just in the short term, but in the long term. And I think it's alarming that this has persisted so long and that he thinks at least it's related to the ankle surgery he had a few years back. I don't know whether he'll end up needing to get something cleaned up in off-season surgery or what the case may be, but... Well, if ever there was an off-season, when would you have 28 days this off-season? So if, if you want to get a scope or something, you've got to you've get at least... Yeah, better at least- do it quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, you know, from a next contract perspective, whether he opts out this year, which I do not anticipate given the financial climate, I think he'll opt into the final $34 million of his contract. But the next contract you're thinking about, he'll be 30 plus, 30, right? I think he'll be 30 years old. Yeah. And at that point, you're wondering, okay, how is this foot going to age? How is he going to age? I think from a, this, this year's standpoint, I'm not too concerned for the Celtics because he's played really well whenever he's been on the court. He's been really efficient whenever he's been on the court. It hasn't impacted him as much as it hurts him on a day-to-day basis. You stole, you stole my exact take. Uh, short term, wow. I think he was like played really well towards the end of the season. There was like pockets there where both Jalen and uh, Jason were out uh, a number of games and Hayward was the guy who stepped up. He kind of like, I remember asking him in Orlando, was like, oh, so what's it like to like step up and be rebounding guy? Or no, it was like, what's it like to like score 20 points again or something like that? And he just like scoffed at me uh, because like, I'm a pretty good basketball player. I can do lots of things. Like he gets insulted uh, when you ask him because he does so many things. He's like, oh, wow, Gordon, you're like really contributing on the rebounding tonight. And he's just like, yeah, I'm good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think he, he faces the most insulting questions. I will Absolutely. Like anytime he plays well for a few games, people ask him, oh, how's your confidence level now? He's like, motherfucker, I was an all-star. What's my confidence level? I'm shooting 59% true shooting. I never missed two-pointers. What are you talking about? Two-point daddy. I, th- I think that I think the next time he gets disrespected in a, in, a, in a Zoom conference, Jay, you should just jump right in with that and be like, uh, just to follow up on that, what's it like to have that reporter just be so disrespectful? <laughs> that would I, I would like that. If you guys start policing the Actions of reporters during their questions it was like, what's it like, like to answer that terrible question? Nah, that would nah, be that, fantastic. That's not my Maybe the Zoom calls are allowed you guys to clear yourself up. Okay. Another thing that happened on Zoom calls, Grant Williams said that he spent quarantine becoming more comfortable as a perimeter player. He said he worked on his ball handling. Obviously, his shot's been something he, he's working on. True or false, Grant Williams will be better suited to play the perimeter than he was earlier this season. I think that's a bit (laughs) I would love to think that some of Kemba Walker's great outside shooting has rubbed off on him during that quarantine. Uh, But uh, I think it'd be a little bit ambitious to think that any of these rookies after three months of downtime are somehow more ready to contribute to a playoff roster. And yet like, look, you know, maybe you sit there, you watch some film, maybe he'll pick up something, but 
look, one of these guys is going to get called on. It's in, it, 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 it's undoubtable to me because, you know, there's going to be series where Cantor can't play. You're going to need a seventh or eighth man. Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, someone like even Robert Williams, second year guy who got a taste of the playoffs. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to give you something. I just don't know if Grant is ready to keep defenses honest. Uh, but if he does hit shots, you know, that's going to force defenses to cover them a little bit differently. But if he doesn't, could get ugly. See, I, you guys I, just don't believe. I buy this. I actually buy that Grant Williams will come back a more confident. Stealing my take player. again. This is bullshit. I, I, I don't think he, he's going to become even close to a knockdown three-point shooter. You just don't improve three-point shooting while practicing in Kemba Walker's backyard. However, Grant, if you look at all his stats, they were all bad. Like, he, his assist rate was be- below any Celtic on the roster, any center on the Celtics roster. His turnover rate was higher than anybody except for Robert Williams. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do not be smirched the Time Lord on their podcast. I'm Jesus. just saying, like, it, it, it was, was, uh, it was very bad at turnovers. That time Lord had the ready, worst turnovers. <laughs> that he was not ready to shift into any sort of offensive role, even a, a minor offensive role as a perimeter player after spending most of his career at Tennessee in the post. I, I think he'll come back better. I think he'll come back more confident and more comfortable. I don't know what that means, but I do buy that he's improved as a perimeter player. I think he'll be more confident. It's just like I imagine it in my oh, mind. I'm just like baseline was so low. It was so low. He started. He missed his first twenty shots. Like he's got that past him. I'm just imagining a montage of him and Kemba like running the same workouts all summer. Um, so him and like getting somewhat better as a ball handler and three point shooter. And he just like has to have the willingness to shoot. And if it comes with confidence, I think it will be important because. In the playoffs, I think the Celtics are going to want to go small, and there's going to be times where you just can't play Cantor, and it's going to be someone needs to back up Tice. And I think Grant makes the most sense in terms of defensive versatility at this point. So if he can give them anything where he makes a three, if he makes a big three, like we're talking about Jason Tatum with his confidence, like maybe that does something for Grant. I believe it. I mean, I think it's my duty to also believe it because growth mindset. How is he going to achieve it if we don't believe it for him? Well, remember this conversation when Robert Williams is the playoff X factor. Last true or false before we let Forsberg go, Marcus Smart put the onus on the owners to embrace the social justice movement. Will Marcus Smart, true or false, Marcus Smart will convince at least one owner to speak out on behalf of the social justice movement? Yeah, like true. I think the Celtics were, you know, we saw Wick Grosbeck post a video uh, right afterward. I think they know that they're they're they need to be more vocal, and you know, everyone needs to sort of take a, the the page out of Mark Cuban's playbook and 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 be more vocal. I hope he inspires. It's good that these players are holding everyone accountable. I think it's hard for younger players to to necessarily step up and say something like that. Uh, good on Marcus for for trying to promote change. I mean, I think it's one of the most important like things uh and marcus talked about how in terms of influence over the message like the large corporation has so much more of a and greater voice than like the players do at the end of the day the players are paid to play basketball and like they don't have as much of an impact and like um can make as big of a statement and so i thought it was just a it's interesting to see what the celtics will do because i think the celtics have done a lot of interesting things on social media in terms of social justice in terms of trying to educate people, but there's like just kind of like major fundamental questions about how like willing the Celtics will be in kind of the, in, in trying to be anti-racist because at the end of the day, they are a business and 
with the kind of the culture the way it is, it feels like if they take like a step towards that, there is a, a kind of a, an inherent risk at like turning people off. Like Baskets Mall is my escape. I don't like stick to sports. And so it's like how willing are owners to kind of take the moral stance and kind of lose revenue. And it's difficult to say. I think I've like really liked what the kind of the Celtics have um, put out so far, but it's like the question is, are they going to continue to do the anthem when like games return to TD Garden? Are they going to continue to employ like private police officers? There's like levels to the the kind of commitment. And it's kind of you have no idea where the Celtics are going to kind of stand on that. But I think they're, do, they're doing a pretty good job right now of at least listening to their players and trying to be a, a advocate for their players, which I think is the kind of the strongest thing they can do. I want to hear the kids take. And I don't mean to bomb out on your podcast, but I got my own podcast to do. The Ennis Cantor Show. Ennis Cantor, Cantor is texting me right now. I got to go. If that isn't big time, I don't know what is. Fozzie is taking off. Fozzie's out. Fozzie Bear. That is quite a way to, to end this podcast with Forsberg getting a text from Ennis Cantor and leaving to go film the Ennis Cantor Show, which is a second or third rate Celtics podcast, <laughs> if you ask me. Eventually, you got to rate all the Celtics podcasts. But what did you think of? What did you think of Smart likes putting like the the onus on the owners? I think it's necessary. I think that in a lot of cases, owners have supported politicians. Owners have supported, um, like just because owners have. They have such a big impact. Have you seen like what they've done in Atlanta and what LeBron is planning to do? And I think they're doing it in Milwaukee of like making the arena a place where people can um, polling places for November. Like that's a huge step that owners could make and that like throw their weight around. And so the Celtics have yet to do something like that. But you're like Steve Pagliuca is the freaking works for Bain Capital. He is an extremely wealthy man. So is Wick Rosbeck. They have like the kind of ability to do a lot more. And so it's going to be interesting. Like, of course, it's it should be on them more so than the players to kind of um, craft the message moving forward just because they have so much more societal power. But you've seen, I mean, you've seen some owners support politicians, support policies that in some some ways like go against everything that the players want and, or, or that a lot of players want. And so I, I think it's important to kind of try to change some of those owners' minds and get them to use that money, which is really influential to support the policies that will help players and, and, you know, minorities in this country. And so I, I think it's important that the conversation has started. I think there's a lot of change that needs to be done. And in some ways, like, it's nice that the NBA has positioned itself as like this progressive league that's going to try to make a difference, but show me, show, show but me. That, that gives them such a pass because they can say like, Oh, we've talked about the Anthem or we've approved like Adam Silver's response when he was like, Oh, you approved these list of things that could be on jerseys. He was like, Oh, I don't want to really say approved, but like this, this list came from the NBA players association, but like, there was a clear, like, they did not talk about police. They did not mention any kind of, like, victims of police brutality. That was clearly, like, a negotiation, and so there was an approval. And I feel like the NBA, like, tries to position itself uh, as the progressive league, but does that give the owners 
a pass because they're just saying like, well, look what we put Black Lives Matter on the court. Like we're doing something. Clearly, there has to be something more than just kind of a, a the, like the symbolic nature of it. And I think it's great, like the things that the Hawks and the Bucks and I think what LeBron is doing uh, in terms of like actually you need direct action and you need evidence of action rather than just kind of the symbolism of it. Show me something real. That's that's the message to Celtics owners from us and from Marcus Smart. I hope they listen to Marcus Smart because they're definitely not listening to us. But you guys, you listener gods out there have been listening to us and we thank you for that. If you enjoy our podcast, you know, rate it, subscribe, do all the uh, things, share it with your friends. Um, uh, and, you know, keep on listening as the season ramps back up. We're going to be doing more and more podcasts and we're excited for the Celtics to return. We'll uh, give you all the coverage of the zoom calls from the Orlando bubble, of course. Uh, So thank you for listening and please subscribe. If you want to read Jay on the athletic, Um, you can go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable and sign up for some sort of discount. It's, it's pennies a month to read the great work of Jay King. And so you should uh, definitely do that uh, because he is, Great insight. And, um, you know, he, he turns uh, the greatness of his takes on here into the, the written word. Into, some, would great word. some would say he was here. Most don't. But some <laughs> would say he's zero. Very few. Some would say zero. Say that he's zero. But most don't. But some would say. And so if you like the hero, if you like listen to me, thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is possible!